Good morning. My name is James Underwood. I'm one of the worship leaders here at Bethel Christian Fellowship. Bethel is a safe place where strangers can become friends and friends can become family. And as Pastor Steve has been reminding us, family can be sent to the ends of the world for the kingdom of God. I am a pastor. I have been, I'm not on staff at Bethel, but I have pastored many years other places. Here I'm functioning mostly as a worship leader. It is my joy, though, to come back to the word of God and bring his word to you guys. His word is our life. Let's pray before we jump in. King Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. There's no surprises to you. There's nothing that throws you off balance or off your rhythm. Father God, we know that we are frail human beings and we make many mistakes, but you are always working for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come now this morning and impart your words into your people, Father God. We know that you are the one who has the words of truth. And it's not the messenger, but it's the message that you want to impart to your people. So Holy Spirit, I pray your presence and anointing and empowerment on your word for your people. God, thank you that you gave so much to bring us into your presence and into your kingdom. Let us say yes to you this morning. Let us come into your presence and in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk today about a story from the Old Testament and after that, I'll tell you why I wanted to talk about this story. This is, I'm calling this Elijah's Cave, and we will read it from 1 Kings 19. I'm going to just read it. You can turn with me if you want. Before I do, Elijah was a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. He lived about 850 years before Jesus. The northern kingdom was turning away from God and going into idolatry. There were corrupt political leaders. Um, the queen would kill a guy to get his vineyard and stuff like that. So it's in this context that Elijah's ministry began. He battled intensely for the kingdom of God, and he had serious opposition, but he continued in the battle for the kingdom of God, no matter what was he was up against. So um, in one of his experiences, he had prayed for, there was so much corruption, he prayed for a drought, and there was a three-year drought on Israel um, at his prayers. Um, in the story just before the one I'm going to read, um, he faced off with 400 prophets of Baal, and he called down fire from heaven to show the difference between the true God that we serve and the idols that the nations serve. So you would think that after God, oh, oh, and right after he killed the prophets, then he prayed again for the drought to end, and he stayed all day praying, and God answered that very day. The drought of three years ended in the day that he prayed. So he was a man of power and of prayer and of um, the, the word of God in a, in a society that opposed him. You would think after God answered the prayers and the, the works that he had done, that Israel would have a turning back to God. But in fact, they were, the, the queen Jezebel was still on the throne and she was an evil queen. And so she sends him a word. This is the chapter before. Now we're going to start this in a second. But in the chapter before, she says, Elijah, you're dead meat. You killed my prophets. I'm going to do the same thing to you. You're dead this time tomorrow. And so Elijah, the mighty man of God who had won so many victories for God, turned and got scared and ran for his life. And that's where we're picking up the story now. First Kings chapter 19. Ahab, the bad king, 
told Jezebel, the evil queen, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. Now, just uh, Mount Carmel, where he had taken on the prophets, was in the northern part of northern Israel. Beersheba is the southern part of southern Israel. So he's already run a long way. Now he leaves his servant and goes into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Mighty man of God. I have had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And he lay down under the broom, under the broom tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up, eat. Elijah looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread over, baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very jealous, very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to the death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me also. The Lord said, go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to the death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. What's God going to say to him? The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, to succeed you as prophet. Yet I reserved for myself 7,000 in Israel whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Have you ever been in a place anything like that? I've never experienced anything that intense in my life. Um, but, but 
have you ever been in a place where you have seen God move with power and with, and you've stood up against principalities and powers and you've seen some victories and you've seen God pour out water and you've seen, um, the bad guys plans put down. You've seen with God, you've seen God move with power and miracles, but this now is just too much. You're exhausted. You run for your life and you tell God, it's enough. I'm through. Please let me die now. I said earlier why I want to take you to this story. I've never experienced things as intense as Elijah's. I hate conflict. I hate confrontation. I don't even like to ask people to do something for me because I don't want to bother them. But I can confront when I have to, and I have faced down some intense situations. Sometimes, though, I just want to run and say, it's enough. I'm out of here. In fact, these days since Memorial Day, I've wished I could just go hide somewhere far away. My heart is torn apart, and I want to help. And we've done little things. We've done some cleanup days. We've done some clergy marches. We've done prayer walks on our streets. We've had really good, I'm a city bus driver. I've had really good dialogues on my bus. And I know God is at work and doing good in the midst of the destruction. But I'm still unsettled and nervous and what this might turn into, and all of those things. And so sometimes I wish I could just go away somewhere and sleep until it's all done. So what I want to invite us to today as a congregation is when we need to run, run to Mount Horeb, run to the mountain of God, run to the cave of God. Mount Horeb means desolation or desert. It's about 250 miles south of Israel, somewhere in the Sinai Peninsula. There are 17 references to Mount Horeb in the Bible. I'm going to give you four of them in a minute. Sometimes it's thought of as the same thing as Mount Sinai. Sometimes it's not. So I'm just focusing on Horeb, and I'm just pointing to four of them now. This is the same place, Mount Horeb. It's the same place where Moses encountered the burning bush. That's Exodus 3, chapter 1. Mount Horeb, explicitly the same place. Moses is doing his own thing. He's also a fugitive from political powers. He's killed a guy, and now he's run for his life, and he's finding himself at the backside of the wilderness, and he's just tending sheep. And there God encounters him with the burning bush, and it changes Moses' life. The second one is Exodus 17, chapter 6. This is where Moses has brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. I'm fast-forwarding here, and we're just looking at four things, three things. Um, Moses has brought them out of Israel, out of Egypt, and brought them to the wilderness, and now there's, they're out of water, and they're complaining, and they want to stone Moses to death. And Moses is going to God, what do I do with these guys? And God says, strike the rock. Moses strikes the rock, and water pours out, and it is enough for them all. Same place, Mount Horeb. We've got a burning bush. We've got water from the rock. The third one, Exodus 33, 18. Moses, after the second time he got the, great, uh, the Ten Commandments, he goes back up the mountain, gets the Ten Commandments from God, and God is saying, okay, I'll give Israel the promised land because I gave it to them, but I'm sick of these guys. I'm not even going to go with them. And so we have this little dialogue between Moses and God saying, Moses says, if you don't come with us, 
We're not going. We're no, no different from anyone else. It's your presence with us that makes the difference, that makes us, a, makes us a separate nation, a separate people. So if you're not going, what's the point in us going? If you're not going, we're not going. And God says, okay, you got me. I will do what you say. And Moses, in his great boldness, says, hallelujah. He doesn't say hallelujah. He says, now show me your glory. Same place, Mount Horeb. Mount Moses says, show me your glory. And God puts him, Mount Horeb, in a cleft in the rock, covers him with his hand, and his glory of God passes by Moses in that same place. And I sometimes wonder if Moses' cleft in the rock was the same as the place where Elijah hid on his um, flight from Jezebel. Don't know. It's the same region if it's not the same cave. It's the same mountain of God. So Mount Horeb is a place for us to reset with God. We've had enough. We're at the end of our own rope. We don't know what else to do. We've tried everything. They've seen power and might and nothing's worked and I'm finished. And so we go to a place to reset with God. And I pray that your place to reset will be with God, not on your own something else, but with God. Find a place where you can meet with God and recall what he has done in your life, a burning bush or water from the rock or shown you his glory. Come to a place like that where God has met with you in the past and pour out your heart to him and see what he says. So when we reset, I want us to reset in the place where God meets with us and I want to reset in the truth of God. God has a really good track record. And we can reset on what God has done. And he's not going to quit. He's not going to abandon or forsake. Because he has a really good track record. And he will carry it on to completion. Even Israel who kept going astray. And God said, okay, I'll go with you. He stays with us. So we've sometimes seen the truth of God. We've seen the revelation of God. We've seen the glory of God. We've seen, we've tasted water from the rock in a dry place. We must do this reset with God individually, one by one, and as families. We've got a lot more family time than we used to. And we must do it as a community, and we must do it as a city, and as a state, and as a nation. We must reset and I pray that our reset will be in a place where we meet with God and God meets with us and speaks a new word of life to us. There are many voices raised when things are upset, when things are, um, yeah, it's times of upheaval, time of reset. There are many voices raised and a thousand opinions about what's right and wrong. There's a thousand opinions on blame and innocence. And we have seen the storm winds kind of shatter the rocks. And we have felt the world kind of moving under our feet. Things we thought were solid ground do not seem so solid right now. And we've seen some fire. But for Elijah, the Lord says the Lord was not in the fire. And then, or the earthquake or the wind, and then came a gentle whisper, and when he heard the, sh the whisper, he went out and met with God and had his dialogue. Third thing in our reset, I want us to listen first and speak or act second. Um, Ms. Brenda, one of our worship leaders, has been speaking a lot about our need to listen to God in this time. We have time that's not in our normal previous rhythms of life and use that time to listen to God. If it's Horeb or somewhere else, use, take the time to listen to God. One 
reference to the story. You know the story, Mary and Martha in Luke 10. Martha is distracted and concerned with much serving. She's got to do something quick because this is, we've got, we're serving God here. We've got to do this. And Martha is just, Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets mad at Mary. Yeah, we get mad at each other because we respond differently. And Martha is mad at Mary. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part. And she, it will not be taken away from her. So listen first and respond second. Let your horeb, let your reset be a place of listening before you do anything else. I'm not saying inaction. Mary jumped up when Jesus called. But uh, listen first, so we're doing it his way instead of adding to the turmoil going on around us. Do it God's way. Now I want to talk about amazing grace for a minute. This is point three and a few things on this, and then I'm going to give you an invitation and close. Amazing grace in this story. Elijah, I want you to notice how gently God is dealing with Elijah. He's a mighty man of God, and the battle is still intense, and all of a sudden he gets a threat that's too much for him, and he runs for his life. Now, man of God, if he killed 400 prophets of Baal, don't you think he could stand up to Jezebel? But this time it was just too much, and he ran. So look how God, gently God deals with him. When Elijah runs into the desert and wants to die, he says, take me out, I'm done. What does God do? Sends an angel, cooks him a meal, bread cooked on stones, on, on burning coals in the desert. How did that work? And a jar of water for him, and God refreshes him. Now, Elijah's not on a mission trip now. He's not out there serving God. He's just running because he's had too much. But God meets him in that place and feeds him and lets him sleep. And he doesn't do it just once. He sleeps again after he's eaten. Then the angel wakes him up a second time. And he eats and drinks a second time. And the angel says, you need this or the journey's going to be too much for you. See the grace of God in this? Elijah's not on mission. He's not saving souls. He's just trying to run away and get away so he can have some reset time with God. And God meets him in that place. Praise God that he loves us so much. He knows that we are limited. He meets us in our place of need. It's not just his agenda that concerns him, but our welfare is close to his heart. And then when God does speak with him, he shows him the wind and the earthquake and the fire. And Elijah's seen some of that stuff already. But when he speaks to his servant, it's a gentle whisper. God shows he's got all the power. But when we speak with God, sometimes it's a gentle whisper. And when we hear that, we have the courage to come out and say, Yes, Lord, I'm, here's your servant. I'm listening. What is your word for me today? The third thing God says, he doesn't say, Okay, you've had enough. You can be out of here. God says, Go back the way you came. He's got two kings for him to anoint. You think he's not a man of influence? He's got two kings to anoint and a prophet to succeed him. God says, yep, you're almost done. Not quite yet, not quite yet. I got three things for you to do, Elijah. Then you can go home. When you go home, by the way, Mr. Elijah, it's not going to be dying in the desert under a broom tree. You're going to get the chariots of fire. When your time is coming, I'll take you. See the amazing grace of God. Elijah's not on mission now. God has a few things he wants him to finish up before he checks out. But God is gracious and meets us where we are. 
So I have an invitation for you this morning. Are you worn out by the battle? Do you want to run and hide? Do you want to just fall asleep in a broom tree and tell God, it's enough, I take my life, I'm no better than they are. God, help me, I just want to be done. Have you run to a cave like Elijah and said, um, you know, I just can't do it anymore. I'm just out of here. And 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness. If, have you run to a place where God can meet with you, where you can meet with God? You're at the end of your rope, so you've got no energy left even to run anymore. Will you stop and listen? Have you seen God in a fire? Have you seen God in water from a rock in a desert place? Have you seen the glory of God from a cleft in the rock? But his glory passes. Have you seen him in the wind or the earthquake or the fire? Some of you say yes to some of these. Have you seen him in a place or heard his gentle whisper in a place where your need is overwhelming? What are you doing here, Elijah? My invitation for you is that you would take time to listen before you do. May we receive, may we receive his instruction for our next step. May we stay in the battle until our time has come and not leave before that. I want to offer one more invitation. This will be quick. Some of you don't even know the voice of God. You, you've never heard him talk to you. You've never seen any of these things. You've just got, if God's out there, we need you. I would invite you to pray to God because you can do this and he will hear you. And I'm going to just say a prayer for you first and then I'm going to pray another prayer of blessing over the congregation. If you haven't met with God, I want to invite you to this prayer. Father God, I don't even know you yet. I hear stories about you, but I've never seen you. But God, I know that my ways, I'm at the end of my rope and I've got nothing left to do or to stay anymore and I just want to run and hide somewhere. And so, God, if you're real, I pray you will come to me and meet with me in a place that I can understand. Speak my language. Speak into my heart. Speak into my place of need. Let me hear and know that you are God and that you've got this and that you care about me in the middle of all, everyone else's problems. You also care about me. Lord Jesus, you put flesh on divinity. You walked this world with us. Will you come into my heart today? Will you let my heart be your resting place? Please come. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for the congregation as a whole. Pray that, God, that you will let us be a community of faith that looks to you and not to the voices of, of uh, outrage all around us. Yes, there's lots to be angry about, and we are angry, and we are hurting, and we are in a really bad place right now but we know that you are the solution and it's not humans ways it's not man's ways it's not society's ways it's not government's ways but it's the ways of god that make the difference so god we pray that we will find a quiet place as a community of faith to stop and listen and obey what you give us to do Lord, I pray that individually, and I pray that for families, and I pray that for our church's community, and I pray that for our city and state and nation and world. Let us stop and listen 
and obey the King of Kings. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick benediction. This is from Numbers 6, 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.